0: This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others, and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com.
1: Hey, friends, welcome to the Grace Enough podcast. I am your host, Amber Cullum. Each episode, I sit down with a guest to discuss their life journey and how the grace of God has impacted them along the way. After listening to today's episode, I hope you are encouraged that God can use you right now in the midst of your day-to-day life. Yes, it requires daily surrender and trust, but we must remember His grace is enough. This week's guest, your Enneagram coach, Beth McCord, is no stranger to Grace Enough podcast listeners. Beth joined me for episode 16, where we discuss the Enneagram from a biblical perspective. Today, she is joined by her husband, Jeff McCord. But before our conversation, I want to let you know one of my favorite things about podcasting. One of my favorite things is meeting and interacting with others. Not only the guests I interview, but you, the listener. I'll be honest, podcasting can feel lonely for someone like me who is an extrovert. Why? Why? because I don't go to work in an office where I interact with people face-to-face every day. So I want to ask you to chat with me. You can do that on Instagram or Facebook. Search Grace Enough Podcast underscore Amber. Email me at graceenoughpodcast at gmail.com. Or if you see me, please come and chat with me. I absolutely love interacting with my listeners. Before we begin talking about how the Enneagram is a useful tool to use not only in your marriage relationships, but all relationships, Jeff addresses concerns a Christian may have about the origins of the Enneagram and how it is used. Honestly, his answer to this question brought me so much clarity regarding recent critiques I have heard. We go on to discuss things like how to encourage your spouse in the use of the Enneagram, how the Enneagram encourages empathy and how to use the Enneagram as a tool to move toward your healthiest self versus using it as an excuse for behavior. Listen to what Jeff has to say about how the Enneagram helps us to see the gifts and burdens we bring to a relationship.
2: It's almost like you you have a new set of lenses, a new set of glasses to be able to see yourself and your spouse. Oftentimes, we have this way of interpreting our relationships that it's either they're doing something that's intentionally hurtful to me, or there is a character defect in me that I can't seem to overcome that's causing trouble. So it's either their fault or my fault. And what the Enneagram is helping us to understand is that we carry a tremendous burden inside to try and make life work apart from the cross. And the Enneagram gives us this new understanding of, I bring great, a great gift to my relationship, And I bring a particular bent or burden to this relationship and it becomes an opportunity for each spouse to actually connect with one another.
1: Welcome back to the Grace Enough podcast, Beth. You are the first person that I have had on the show twice. And so thank you so much for being here.
0: Yeah, that's great. Thanks for having me back.
1: And today we have another special guest joining us. Jeff, will you go ahead and introduce yourself to our listeners and tell everybody a little bit about what you do?
2: Sure. Well, thanks a lot for having us and uh, having Beth, the Enneagram coach's husband, along for the (laughs) ride. (laughs) So Beth and I, um, so we've been using the Enneagram together in ministry setting for, uh, well, I guess really since the beginning when we found out about the Enneagram around 2001. Uh, And so we've always worked side by side when it came to uh, marriage coaching. And so in June of this year, I stepped away from the pastorate after 20 plus, years as an executive pastor. And now I'm the executive director of your Enneagram coach. And Beth and I do all of our uh, speaking together on marriage and the Enneagram and the gospel.
1: So awesome. Yeah, I have had the opportunity to see you guys live and have recommended your books and used your books and your resources. And so I'm grateful to have the two of you on the show today. And so as we get started, go ahead and tell everybody kind of a little bit of your backstory about when you guys started using the Enneagram to help in your marriage.
0: Yeah, so we found out about the Enneagram in about 2001. And Jeff was deep into seminary textbooks. So he kind of scanned it and thought it was interesting, but I devoured it. But as a good old type nine, I kind of hid behind the scenes and studied it along the way, but didn't really use it too much with Jeff or anyone else for probably a couple years. So it's probably around 2005 when Jeff was in his first pastor assistant position that we really started to kind of look into it a little bit more and started kind of utilizing it. But the funny thing is, is Jeff actually mistyped himself for a couple years. Mm -hmm. So we were kind of using the Enneagram and it still was pretty effective because the one he mistyped was pretty close to where he was at anyway. Mm -hmm. But really it was more my personality as a type nine, we know ourselves the least. And it was giving me language to bring clarity, one, to my own self, but also to Jeff, so that he could understand what was going on. Because I was having a hard time even explaining why I was either sad or happy or right. frustrated. And so really, that's where it it was very helpful for the two of us, is starting from that place.
1: Yeah. And so Jeff, you came along and jumped on board about two years in, would you say?
2: Yeah, that's right. Um, there was you know, part of it was my own study and I was going down the path of pastoral counseling at the time. So I had kind of my own trajectory, but I always found the Enneagram helpful and useful because it gave categories uh, that what we tell couples and, and people about how the Enneagram is helpful is that it gives one, it gives vocabulary to explain what we already know was happening, but now we have a way of describing it. Uh, number two, it normalizes things. So you know, best a wow. nine and I'm a six. And all of a sudden you realize this is just what nine and sixes do. And that's perfectly fine and normal. And here's what it looks like when it's unhealthy and healthy. Um, and then, I, I you know, I, I think the next thing is empathy. I, yeah. I started to recognize there were burdens that I was bearing, that she was bearing, that we rather than our Character defects getting in the way of our relationship They actually became an opportunity for us to connect with one another because we understood what was going on underneath the hood
1: I agree with that completely. I've had a couple people ask me who were just kind of starting on the journey and have asked Why do you find it effective? Like if you were to tell me one or two things and the biggest thing that i've said is empathy Toward other people who mm-hmm. are like me and who aren't like me Yeah. to finally get a little bit more of an understanding of what's actually going on in their head, it's like, oh, they're not just doing something to bother you. Like my husband is right. just trying to get on my nerves.
0: Like, right, exactly. I
1: mean, it's just but part it of that's feels how. Like e- it. Yes, it does, especially me because I'm a one, so a lot of things get on my nerves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, with that said, both of you are believers. I am a believer, and the popularity of the Enneagram has skyrocketed in recent years. And with that has come quite a bit of critique and just negative and positive conversations regarding it. And so will you guys speak a little bit to some of that critique, particularly, you know, the origins of the Enneagram and, you know, not misusing it as a tool for the gospel. Speak to that a little bit.
2: So that's a really good question, and it's a thoughtful and um, conscientious question that Christians often have regarding the Enneagram. I'm thankful that people are thinking that way uh, regarding any tool that people may use. And for Beth and I, you know, the Enneagram is a helpful tool, but we believe that it's the gospel that's the power of God unto salvation. It's the gospel that brings transformation. And so the way in which we teach it is that we have either removed Replaced or redefined anything that doesn't align with a biblical worldview. Now, that's not necessarily the case for other Enneagram teachers. The Enneagram, if you kind of think about it this way, um, there's a a category, a metaphor that's used within Christianity about using tools that are outside of Christianity, and they call it plundering the Egyptians. And the idea is that as Israel was leaving Egypt, the Egyptians were pouring their gold out to them, and um, just a sovereign God thing. And Israel had a choice to make. And so what ends up happening is Israel ends up using that very gold to make an idol later. Uh But that gold was the very thing that was going to provide for them as they were going to be on uh, on the exodus. And so for us, we, we don't have to be afraid of it because oftentimes people think of the Enneagram and its origins, these two people, Ichazo and Naranjo, um, they were Eastern mystics. Uh, one of them was an academic. And the way that they described their experience of inspiration in putting together what we have now as the modern Enneagram as something that seems demonic, or but the reality is, is that the way in which the Enneagram is taught today is radically different than the way they created it. And so think of it less like Joseph Smith, who founded Mormonism, Mm -hmm. who spoke to the angel Moroni and created an authoritative text, and think of it more like a professor who had a theory whose students developed the theory more. Mm -hmm. And so it's not something that's authoritative, because you can teach it from whatever worldview you bring to it. And so for Beth and I, we have a distinctly Christ-centered worldview of these categories for understanding human motivation and behavior. And so we're simply using this tool, not as an idol, because the Enneagram is always to be under the authority of Scripture, Mm, but we also find that it's helpful. And so it's a helpful tool um, that can help us to be able to connect with one another and connect with God.
1: I love that perspective, particularly when you talk about comparing it to plundering the Egyptians, because that does make sense to me. Anything we have, we can make an idol. Anything. Yes. Yes. And we have to constantly take it before the Lord and ask Him to do the leading, ask Him to give us the discernment, instead of just taking everything and drinking it down like it's gospel truth.
0: And that's why you'll see in our materials and in our Instagram posts, everything is pointing back to Christ Absolutely, because that is our hope. That is our transformation. And the great thing about the Enneagram is it's just clarifying why we think, feel, behave in particular ways. It doesn't, it's like an x-ray. It shows what is broken, but it can't fix it. That's where the gospel comes in. And so when I know that my heart is um moving in a direction that is not Christ like. I want to come under the submission of Christ in the Holy Spirit and allow him to transform that negative part of my thought processes and personality traits and allow him to transform it into a healthy, God honoring aspect mm. instead of just throwing my hands up or defending myself or blame shifting. That's where the Enneagram can be really powerful. We can see what is in reality and what we're doing, but we can always praise God that the finished work of Christ has freed us so that yeah. we can have the transformation that's already at hand before us. Mm,
1: thank you. That's awesome. So powerful. Well, in the fall, you guys released the book Becoming Us, which is really a tool to use the Enne- Enneagram to help marriages thrive in a gospel-centered way. And so, as we dig into the relationship aspect and how the Enneagram can be helpful, give us a few ways that you have seen the Enneagram be so useful in the marriage relationship.
2: Yeah, there are a few different things. Uh, I, I think number one, as I mentioned earlier, there is—it's it, almost like you—you have a new set of lenses, a new set of glasses to be able to see yourself and your spouse. Oftentimes, we have this way of interpreting our relationships that it's either they're doing something that's intentionally hurtful to me or there is a character defect in me that I can't seem to overcome that's causing trouble. So it's either their fault or my fault. Mm -hmm. And what the Enneagram is helping us to understand is that we carry a tremendous burden inside to try and make life work apart from the cross. And the Enneagram gives us this new understanding of I bring great a great gift to my relationship. And I bring a particular bent or burden to this relationship. And it becomes an opportunity for each spouse to actually connect with one another. And so as a type six, I bring anxiety and this drive for security. But as a gift, I bring a profound sense of loyalty to Beth. Well, now she understands what that dynamic is. And, you know, even last night we were out driving for about an hour or so just talking through things, how we've been experiencing life together and uh, um, how we experienced going to church here recently uh, together. And it, it wasn't an argument. We were sharing with one another knowing that it really wasn't one another's fault, but uh, how we were interpreting the situation.
0: the the great thing, like what Jeff is saying is, it gives us so much clarity, you know, it basically, we all have different colored lenses that we're seeing the world through. So Jeff has orange, I have purple, you have blue, every personality type has a different lens. And so as we're driving, and we're talking about our own experiences and what we're feeling, in the past, without the Enneagram, Jeff might have gotten either concerned, frustrated, what does this mean? You know, because I was Struggling with a few dynamics of getting back into a new church setting because this is a new church for us. And, you know, as a as a nine kind of feeling like I need to withdraw and hide as a six who wants to connect and be loyal and committed, you know, he could have thought, oh, no, is Beth going to inhibit the desires I have? Which is, is a totally normal thing to feel and to be concerned with. But what he was able to do is take off his lenses for a second and put on mine. So mm-hmm. to have that empathy, that compassion, that grace, that mercy. While I was describing what I was feeling, not as an attack on him, but just sharing. And that that's what we're really hoping for couples is to recognize that your spouse and you have different lenses on and to take the time to take your lens off and to put their lens on. Now, you know, you're not them. You'll never be them fully. But just to do that for a second really helps us to have that compassion to move towards our spouse with love and grace, um, forgiveness, in ways that we probably never could have in the past.
1: Well, and something that you said, talking about the lenses, That helped me so much is, you know, if you had nine people standing on stage, and let's say we were, you know, we're all watching the exact same situation unfold. Every single person, I shouldn't say every single person, but all nine of those people see that situation unfolding a little bit differently, even though we're all watching the exact same thing at the exact same moment. And that helped me So much because like you said, it gave me more empathy of, you know, my husband is a three. And so for him, it's like, okay, you know, let's do this thing, accomplish, 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 you know, I got to make sure that everybody thinks that I'm doing the right thing. And I'm working super hard. And for me, as a one, I'm like, that person should be doing it this way. Because that's the right way to do it. And so I've found it useful, not just in marriage, but also in close relationships, friendships, uh, relationship with my sister, relationships at church, and, you know, all kinds of yes. different settings.
2: Absolutely. That's right. And so, you know, whenever we're writing specifically in the book about marriage, uh, the truth of it is, is that we're writing about two Enneagram types. So it doesn't really matter what relationship that may be, whether it's with your parents or with your own children or with spouses or siblings or friends. These dynamics are going to be true just because of your Enneagram types.
0: Yes. Well, I think that's one thing to also highlight about the book is the front part of the book. There's two parts. Part one is all about marriage and and understanding the Enneagram and how to use it with communication, conflict, family of origin, and becoming our best selves together, all wrapped up with the gospel. The second part is called the roadmap. And when you fan your book, you know, on the, the side of the book, you'll see the color tabs on the side and those color tabs represent each of the nine types. So for you, you could go straight to one or straight to three and learn more about your personality style in marriage or relationships and your husband's. But that's the great thing is that I think the book should be bought by everyone.
1: Yeah, I'm a little biased, (laughs)
0: but (laughs) but because if you have it at your work and your desk and you know, your coworkers types Mm -hmm. and you're like, okay, I need to go tell this person something pretty hard. How will this land on them? How can I avoid conflict activators for them? Mm -hmm. How can I understand when they're doing well or they're not doing well? And that back part of the book is going to help you understand each of the nine types in that deep relational way. So just even if you have the book for the back part, even if you're single or You think your marriage is doing great. There's so many other relationships that just that back portion is going to be so impactful for.
1: Yes, I agree. We've used that back part several times. And even, you (laughs) know, somebody who's trying to figure out their type, if they don't have the book, I've been like, well, here, hold on. Let me look back here and, you know, read a couple of these from everyone. And that'll give you a little bit of something to chew on. Well, I asked several of my listeners to submit questions that they would like you guys to answer and so we're going to start off with my friend heather who is actually working through the book and her community group and her question awesome. was yeah yes her question is how can you go about getting your husband on board
2: oh wow isn't yeah, that and, the question <laughs>
0: yeah. well it, it is true i think with a lot of things in marriage that the wives are usually the first ones on board but that's not always going to be the case so i think it's really What I would say speaks to either, right? Because there's going to be some men out there that are all for it. And there are some personality styles that are going to be a little resistant to the Enneagram up front. And so what I would say is just to any spouse that the other spouse isn't interested is the Enneagram really is about you doing your own work. When you do your own work and you understand why you think, feel and behave in particular ways, whether in a misaligned or aligned with the gospel There are tremendous differences between the two. When you start to understand how you are, and then you bring that under the submission of Christ and you allow him to work in and through your life to be more aligned with his truth, those characteristics of a healthy type for your type will naturally overflow and others will experience that. When your husband or your wife, whoever is the not interested one, starts to see radical transformation in your life because you're doing your own work, you're not forcing it onto them they will be intrigued and they will be interested because you're going to show the peace, the grace, the joy of Christ. It's just going to exude out of you in your own personality style. Mm. It's not like you become someone different. It's just that you're at a healthier level and they will naturally gravitate towards and be intrigued. Now, obviously it's all about Christ. He's the one that did the transformation. It's not the Enneagram is the key, but the Enneagram is going to bring clarification and interest to your spouse at that point. But again, if you do it only to manipulate your spouse, Mm. they're going to smell that and they're not going to enjoy it. (laughs) Mm. So again, if you just focus on yourself, you'll see in due time, your spouse probably being intrigued.
2: Yeah. There are a couple of thoughts. Um, Two things that I hear from men regarding the Enneagram that, um, that they're seeking to avoid by not engaging with it. Number one, they've experienced personality tools in their careers and they've never been profitable. It just wasn't helpful for them. And so they bring a lot of experience, whether that be Myers Briggs, discs, strength finders. And so they go to these. You know, off-site retreats, someone does some consulting and it doesn't change anything. And, and I understand that. We've we've even participated in some of that. Um, the Enneagram is quite a bit different because it speaks to motivations. Uh, it mm-hmm. speaks to what's really driving people. And so it's much more profitable and productive uh, than some of the other tools. I think secondly, a lot of men will make comments that they don't want to be put in a box. And, yes. and here's what that, here's what they're getting at is that they're afraid that they're going to take this test and it's going to give them their number, let's say, and that that is going to be used against them by their spouse. Hmm. So, uh, let's say, uh, you're, you're, you're a nine and, uh, now your spouse knows you're a nine and she continues to bring up how you're being like, a you're being more like a nine that you, you're not getting up and doing stuff. You're, You're kind of slothful emotionally, and so they're afraid that it's just going to open up more opportunity for criticism. Mm. Now, uh, here, but here's here's where guys miss the opportunity. Um, Marriage researcher John Gottman, great material on marriage, but he found out in his research that the difference between masters in marriage and disasters is a couple's ability to attune to one another. So uh, he calls them bids, and a bid could be both a positive or negative statement. So let's take a type one, for instance, like you, Amber. A type one may bid in two ways. One, they may bid by offering a helpful suggestion, or they may bid um, by trying to attune to their spouse as a critique.
1: Hmm.
2: I don't know anything about that second one. That's that's great. But both of them are are an attempt to connect. And what the Enneagram helps you to understand is that those two different statements are actually a way in which a type one is trying to connect and reach me. Mm. And if I, as let's say your husband is a type three, if I'm avoiding all of those times that it comes across as a critique, we miss each other. But with the Enneagram, you actually find like, Oh, Amber's trying to get my attention. She wants something from me or for Mm -hmm. me to attune to her. And so The reality is, is that the more that we attune to our spouses, the less they are to criticize us. And so the Enneagram is actually going to help you uh, to be able to connect with your spouse more so that some of those criticisms and some of those unhealthy patterns of communicating actually diminish. And so on the, is it worth it? Yes. Is it helpful? Yes. And you may find that uh, it may subvert some of the very things that you're avoiding in your relationship.
1: Mm. Wow. Thanks, Chef. Yeah, that even helps me. Now I feel like my wheels are turning. And so I've got to refocus back here in order to keep asking (laughs) questions. So I'll be thinking about that one for a while. Okay, well, my friend Cindy, she wants to know, is it possible for any and all numbers to have a successful marriage? Yes. (laughs) So, (laughs) Of course, there's Um, hope. But why is that? Because it certainly, I think, There are certain personality types that clash more than others. And I know because this is a friend of mine that she's in a situation, not her personally, but someone in her life where it's a newer marriage. And she's like, oh, my goodness, is there hope for these two to actually be successful?
0: Yeah. And it it can look a wide variety of ways. For instance, you could have two type nines that are married. And they will look like they have this peaceful, kind marriage that never fights because they Mm. both hate conflict. But that doesn't mean it's a healthy marriage because they might be avoiding what needs to be spoken of. But you can also have two types that are reactive types, which means when they get into conflict, they react immediately. And that can look like, oh, my gosh, this isn't going to work. But... That's actually not true. Really what what it all hinges on for any, there's 45 different couple combinations. Mm -hmm. This includes the double types, like the nine and nine, one and one. Any couple type combination can survive and thrive or be destroyed. And it's all going to depend on the health of each of the spouses, whether they're aligned, misaligned, or out of alignment with the truth of the gospel. And that's what we speak about in the book. And we actually did a course uh, for all 45 couple types called Becoming Us. It's an online course. And I take what we did in the book and we take it a whole nother level into their marriage, exactly what's going on for their relationship. So for you as a type one and type three, we would speak specifically about why you guys get hung up and in discord, but also where you thrive and how you can transform and grow. And we do that for all 45 couple types. So We really got into, let's say, quote unquote, the kitchen of all 45 couple types, (laughs) and we got to see how they can really destroy their relationship and how they can survive and thrive. And it's beautiful to see how when we align our hearts with the truth of the gospel and allow the Holy Spirit to work in and through us, how each couple type can have an amazing and dynamic relationship. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, all about the health and how, Mm -hmm. I mean, that takes work.
0: Yes, right. a lot of work. Yeah, and a lot and, of time. And for some, and, and for some it's going to be more work and more challenging, and for others not. None, that doesn't mean one couple type is better than the other. It's right. just how they see life, how they react to certain situations. It doesn't mean one type is better than the other or one couple type is better than the other. They're just going to have different struggles and strengths. And so people come up to us and all the time and say, what, co- or what type should I be looking for? And I'm like, the type that God's calling you to be mm. with. And that's just really the truth of it. And Mm -hmm. that's why we always say, focus on your own health, focus on how you're reacting and focus on your relationship with Christ and everything will not so much fall into place like, oh, everything's perfect then. But that is where real true or uh, real growth and transformation takes place. Yes,
1: absolutely. Another question that came from my friend Rachel is she was just talking about how marriages, you know, we're taught that. There's so many different ways a marriage can thrive, Um, you know, work on communication, work on your sex life, work on all of these different things. And so what is something that you would, you know, what's one thing that you would recommend for just various couples to really work on to help point you in that direction of health and growth?
2: Yeah, (laughs) that's right. That was going to you, Jeff. Here's here's a shot at it. Yeah,
1: there is no one. There are a lot of things. Something to focus on. You
2: know, referring back to Gottman again and his idea of bids. He said the couples uh, masters that attune to one another eighty percent of the time are considered masters at relationship because disasters only attune to each other twenty percent of the time. Wow. And so what that looks like is it could be hey you didn't take out the trash to Hey, are you interested in having sex tonight? Mm -hmm. Um, Those are bids to connect with one another. I have a need and I'm reaching out to you. Mm -hmm. And couples who respond to 80% of those feel more connected with one another. And a a lot of times, whether it be communication, whether it be sexual intimacy uh, or even conflict, so much of that is one another trying to connect with one another. And we're missing each other. Versus attuning to one another. So last night when Beth was telling me about a recent experience she had, at first it can come across as I'm part of the problem. But by attuning to her and listening to her, about 10 minutes in, all of a sudden she's sharing something radically different because she has my attention. Mm. And I'm not getting defensive. I'm not trying to justify anything. I'm simply listening to the pain that's in her heart. And whether, you know, she could have communicated it in a better way. And Gottman calls it a harsh startup. This is a soft startup. Mm. We could have gotten derailed from we've been married 24 years. These are the same arguments that we've been having (laughs) for 24 years. But by simply attuning to her, whether she is communicating in a way that's negative or positive, actually, by attuning to her, we're able to connect And these conflicts become more helpful than harmful.
1: Well, and I think something that, as you say, a harsh startup, and this is kind of going off, you know, on a different tangent a little bit, but that's a good one for me. And actually, because I know my friend Rachel, it's a good one for her too. And how it comes back around to the best way to thrive is to work on getting you your healthiest self and in alignment with Christ, because so often the other person is not going to change until they really see us beginning to soften and become a healthier version of ourselves. Yes. Yeah, it's the only and right. you can't work on somebody else. You can only work on you, right? <laughs>
2: That's right. Yeah. That's absolutely. right. Absolutely.
1: Well, lastly, how as a couple do we best help one another move toward our healthy self instead of making excuses? for their behavior. My friend Allison talks about that a lot, how it's so easy to, you know, make an excuse for our behavior. Well, that's just how they are. They're a one. That's just how they are. They're a number five. In her case, her spouse is a five. And so mm-hmm. what is a way that we can focus, you know, on encouraging our, sp- our spouse and ourselves to become our healthiest version of ourselves without making excuses for how they're wired?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's good for not only ourselves, but for any relationship Mm -hmm. where, you know, we're called to be like Christ. And one, we need to do that in how we treat others. So we don't want to use the Enneagram as a sword where we're harming others. We're like, oh, you're being such a whatever number, or I can't believe you did that again. You don't want to hurt people with the Enneagram, but you also don't want to use it as a shield, whether a shield for yourself or a shield for others. Mm. Because Christ wants us to become more like him. Now, that doesn't mean we then criticize them and point every little flaw out and all these things. I am a type nine. And as a type nine, when I am not doing well, I'm going to act out a lot of the characteristics of a type nine towards Jeff and others. But that doesn't mean it's going to be helpful if he's like, oh, you're being a type nine again, or I can't believe you're doing that. Like That doesn't help me at all. But to have compassion, understanding, and to be there to listen, to lift me up, to encourage me, even when it's hard for him to do that in the moment, really actually takes it takes me much further along my path of growth. So we, you could use the back of our book where you can see where a person is aligned, misaligned or out of alignment. We show that very clearly. Mm-hmm. And so instead of saying, oh, Jeff is you know being a six in his misaligned way again, I'm going to jump on it. Instead, what if we came and we asked clarifying questions? What if we said, hey, I was wondering if you're struggling because I'm seeing certain attributes. How can I come alongside and support you in that season? And maybe not do it in the exact moment. Maybe go out to dinner sometime and say, hey, I noticed this at that one time. What would you have appreciated from me? What would you have loved to hear from me? Because as a type nine, I would have done or I did do it this way and it didn't seem to land on you very well, which is the way I would want you to treat me. Right. We treat others the way we want to be treated, but that doesn't mean it necessarily is going to be the best thing for that other person. So asking clarifying questions, giving clarifying statements, not jumping to conclusions. Actually, our first chapter in our book is called a because yeah. we're constantly assuming other people's thoughts, feelings and motives usually incorrectly. We think we know what why they're doing what they're doing, but we don't know. So ask clarifying questions, be patient, be kind, and serve one another by giving 5 to 1 five affirmations to every negative or feedback that you have to give, which is another Gottman thing that Jeff is always talking about. Jeff, do you have any thoughts?
2: Um well, the the second section of our book really will be helpful. And if if I were encouraging guys to read this book, there's two pages. Uh, so in the back of the book, there are a total of eight pages on each type. And then the last two pages are about how to relate to that type. Okay. And there are sections there on how to affirm them. And I would encourage guys to go and find those pages for their spouse and to simply write out an affirmation daily for a week of just encouraging their spouse. Hmm. The Enneagram gives you a vision of who your spouse can become, and you have the privilege of being able to be uh, close to their development and becoming who they God intended for them to be. And the Enneagram gives you some helpful tools so that you can come alongside your spouse and encourage them.
1: Well, guys, thanks so much. Before we close out, I do want to ask you know, either one of you, actually, but... I know you guys have some journals that are coming out that I'm particularly interested in. And by the time this episode airs, they will be released already. What could someone expect from those individual journals?
0: Yeah, we're so excited. So um, with HarperCollins and Thomas Nelson, we're putting out nine different journals. They're gift book journals. And there's 21 days of learning about your type. Now, the great thing about it is that every day is the same theme throughout all nine types. So you could get one for you and one for your husband. And every day you guys are going over the same topic. And so we have common content for each day. But then we also have type specific content on that same day. So you, the two of you would read about your, you know, the general content, let's say on wings, what are the wings. And so I give an example of what those are. And then I go into your types wings specifically. And then there are questions on each of the days to give time for pause, reflection, to journal, to take it further. And so you could use that with your friends, your coworkers, your small group, Because you all will be talking about the same things each and every day. And so it's just going to be really kind of fun to see how people can use this together, but while still looking more deeply into your own personality type. So again, it's 21 days on understanding your own personality type on a deeper level.
1: Well, thanks so much, guys, for being here today. It was great to have both of you here together.
0: Yeah, thanks for having us. It was so fun.
1: Thank you for listening to today's episode. Resources, links, and quotes from today's conversation can be found at graceenoughpodcast.com under the show notes tab. If you are enjoying the show, I would like to ask you a few favors. Number one, make sure you are subscribed to the podcast. You can head over to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and iHeartRadio. Clicking that subscribe button helps to make sure you never miss a new episode of the podcast. Number two, if you enjoy the show, Would you take a moment to leave a review on iTunes? Those reviews help me to know how the show is impacting you. And number three, the best way to grow is for people like you to share it with your friends. Will you share your favorite Grace Enough podcast episode via text, email, or social media? Again, I'm so grateful for each one of you who listen week in and week out.
2: Thank you for listening to the Grace Enough podcast.
0: Tune in next time.